his heart beats, his blood begins to flow, waking up as what was dead a moment ago. And his heart beats, now everything has changed, cause the blood that brought us peace with God is racing through his veins, and his heart beats. His heart beats. He breathes in. His living lungs expand. The heavy air surrounding death turns to breath again. He breathes out. He is word and flesh once more. And the Lamb of God slain for us is a lion ready to roar. And his heart beats. So crown him the Lord of life, crown him the Lord of love, crown him the Lord of all. He took one breath and put death to death. Oh, where is your sting? Oh, grave, how great is your this morning he is risen 
He is risen indeed, and we are so grateful you have chosen to join us in worship of our risen Lord this morning. Let's continue to raise our voices this morning. If you're with us online, thank you for being here. Our online hosts are available for you all throughout the service. Let's continue lifting our voices to our risen King. shout of praise to him this morning. 
And so we come before our King in worship. We come before our King in awe of who He is.
great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my Oh, yeah. 
Jesus, we exalt you, we worship you, we praise you, we lift you high above all. We worship you, Jesus, because you are worthy. You are the lamb who was slain. You are the king who conquered death. You are the conqueror who broke every chain. So darkness doesn't stand a chance against you, Jesus. And we worship you today. And we step into the truth and the reality of the kingdom that you established on this earth, Jesus. We worship you and we honor you as king above all. I lift up each person in this room today, each person who's found us online. It is no mistake. It is no accident. It is no coincidence. You have been reaching for each heart in this room. Since eternity passed, you intended them to be here today so you could communicate your love, so you could communicate your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. And so, Holy Spirit, will you minister to each heart? For those who think they're not even worthy to be here, for those who didn't want to come this morning, Holy Spirit, will you move? Will you tell them their love, that they're seen, that they're supposed to be here, that they are welcome? That because of Jesus, because of this truth, your arms are open wide to them. This is a place where they are welcome. You delight in us. And Jesus, we delight ever and always in you. Will you move in our time together this morning? May we not walk away the same as we came in. May we walk away changed, encouraged, uplifted, challenged, and sent out with this message of truth and life and beauty that the world around us so desperately needs. Because Jesus, you didn't just come to save us as individuals. You came to save and redeem the world and all of your creation. And so we pray that we would be empowered with that message today. May we encounter you and your love in a way we never have before. We're open to you. Do what you will in this time and magnify your name in this place we pray. In Christ's matchless and precious and beautiful name. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad that you are here. You have a uh, connection card uh, that's in your chair, and I just want to encourage you at any point during the service, you can take that out. If you have any questions about our time together, there's a place for you to share that as well. And if you're watching with us online, we're glad you're here as well. Be sure to say hi in the chat, And uh, but we hope everybody has a great um, Easter. Hey, we have a, uh, an app at Springbrook. If you haven't had a chance to download that, or if you want to figure out how to get better connected to Springbrook, uh, you can just text Springbrook app to 77977. It'll drop right on your device. Uh, all things Springbrook are connected there. If you've got any questions, if we can help you figure out what's next on your spiritual journey, um, some great resources for you there. And then also just want to let you know, ladies, we have a Women's Aspire conference coming up. It's in two weeks. And so we have tickets available for that out in the lobby. It's a great opportunity for ladies to get together. They're going to have a great time. It's three hours, one day. It's going to be a great time. So if you have questions about that, it's on our app and our website um, as well. And then just want to let you know, next week we're kicking off a new series called uh, Sent. Uh, Jesus was resurrected from the grave for 40 days. He continued to teach with the disciples. And so for the next 40 days, um, we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus taught the disciples um, after he was resurrected. And so we'll be kicking that series off next week. We've got a Bible reading plan that goes along with that. And so if you've got any questions uh, about that, uh, please let us know. I know many people are traveling um, today. We have uh, many new guests uh, here with us today. And I hope that you're all blessed uh, as we celebrate this very special day. Easter is a special day because everything hinges on the resurrection. You know, I got up this morning and uh, I looked at the world population, and uh, the world population as of 8 o'clock this morning was 8 billion, 27 million, 6, whatever that number is. <laughs> and so I was watching it, and it was like, every second, it's like, oh, no, every second, that number goes up by two. <laughs> and so I was like, well, do I do 805? Should I wait till 830? And so it's amazing how many people are being added to our population on a daily basis. 
and uh, less than uh, 2 billion people, less than, uh, what is that, about 20, 25% have ever heard about Jesus Christ. And so only, you know, it's 75% of the world has never heard about Jesus or about anything that we're going to talk about today. Isn't that riveting? I mean, it's a blessing for us to be able to come together to celebrate something that very few people know about. In fact, I got to dig in a little bit more. The cumulative population of the world is 118 million. And so that's how many people have ever lived. I found a little website. It started with two people, two became four, four became eight, so on and so on. And so but if you think about how many people have ever lived, if you think about how many people are alive today, it's actually mind-boggling. What's even more mind-boggling is that one person changed the entire world. Changed everything. Because of the birth of Jesus, because of his death, because of his resurrection, we are now in the year 2023. Everybody around the globe has been affected by one person who changed everything. The significance of Jesus' death and the significance of his resurrection has an impact on how we live today. It has an impact on how we view tomorrow. You know, on Palm Sunday, we saw who Jesus was. He was the Messiah. He's ushering in the kingdom of God. In Mark 11, verse 9 through 10, they were all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Jesus has ushered in the kingdom of God. He is the Messiah. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And Jesus took the sins of the world on himself so that we might have a relationship with God. And that's what we celebrated last Friday. We saw that Jesus takes on the sins of the world. In Mark 15, at the ninth hour, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Shabachthani, which means, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that point in his death, he bore the full weight of the sins of the world on himself. And so that's what Jesus accomplished for us on Friday. In Hebrews 9, too, it says that under the law, everything is purified with blood. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus' death on the cross was significant for us, and it sets up for us the meaning of what that means for us today. In John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he would. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life, not perish, but have eternal life. And so the implications of Jesus' birth, his resurrection, and everything that it accomplished for us is significant. After Jesus was crucified, he died, and he was buried. In Mark 15, verse 46 through 47, Joseph brought a linen, a linen shroud, and taking him down, he wrapped him in the linen shroud, and he laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of rock. And a stone was rolled against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And so we saw that Jesus was dead. His body was put in a grave. And, but, but the good news is that it, it came to life. You know, many people Jesus know that Jesus died. Many people know that Jesus died for their sins. That's good news. But the great news is, the really good news is that he came back to life. And we have new hope in Christ and new hope with our Heavenly Father because of that. And I have a little side note for you about Mary because we got Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph. So I always have to look these things up. So this is, this is the tidbit for today. There are Marys all throughout Scripture. You know, there's at least six of them that we see as we move through the New Testament. We have Mary the mother of Jesus, who had four brothers, by the way. He had Joseph, uh, Judas, not Judas Iscariot. We had Simon. Uh, we, had, uh, we had James. And so Jesus had brothers. And so we see Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there's Mary Magdalene of Magdala. There's Mary of Bethany, uh, who was the sister of Lazarus and Martha, if you're familiar with those stories. And we had Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. And, and those, were, those were the other Marys. So she's referred to as the other Mary. And then we have Mary, the mother of John Mark, who had a daughter, Solomon, and uh, Mark was the one that wrote the book of Mark. And we had James the Lesser, not the James that wrote the book. And then we have Mary that's uh, from the Church of Rome. So the scripture is just filled with Marys. It gets a little bit confusing, you know, sometimes. But one of the things that's really important to know, and we're going to look at this in our new series next week, is every single one of them, every single one of them saw Jesus die and saw him come back to life. And so they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection account. Jesus died for our sins. This is good news. But the good news is that it brings us a new life that connects us to the life-transforming power of God. You know, we're in Mark uh, chapter 16. I want to read for you a few verses from uh, 1 through 8. And so if you have a Bible, you can read that. 
read along with me. If you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles at the guest center. You're free to take one of those with you um, today as our gift for you. But listen as I read, beginning in Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices that they might go out and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, and it was huge. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they had laid him. But go and tell the disciples, Peter, that he is going to you to Galilee. There you're going to see him as well, just as he told you. And they went out from the field of the tomb, for trembling astonishment seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And so the reality of Easter is, is that the tomb was empty. That's the great news. The, the tomb was empty. Jesus came back to life. We saw that Jesus died and was buried on Friday. That's what happened on Mark 15. Joseph brought him a linen shroud. He wrapped him up and he, he, he put him in this tomb that had been carved out of rock and there was a big stone against it. And so Jesus had died and he was, he was buried. But then on Sunday morning, we see that when they get to the tomb, the, it's empty. You know, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they had laid him. And so that should raise some questions for us this morning. When you think about the resurrection and you think about the Easter story, it should raise some questions for us. Like, what happened to Jesus from Friday to Saturday? Where was he? It should raise the question about, well, where was Jesus' body on Sunday morning? Where is Jesus now? And what does this all mean for us? And so Easter engages us with some conversations. If you read the Easter story and you understand the implications of what happened, it should raise some questions for us. And the first one is, is, what happened to Jesus between Friday and Sunday? Where was his body during that time? We know that he had died. His body was in the grave. But at the same time, we know that he would be in paradise. Right after he died, he said he's going to be in paradise. There was two criminals hanging on either side of him at his death. In Luke 23, one of the criminals was yelling and making fun of him. And, and, but the other one rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And he said to Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That is about as clear as it gets. I'm going to die, but today after I die, you're going to be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me today in paradise. That's crystal clear. So the body's in the grave, but we also know that he says he's going to be in paradise. Now, the Bible refers to a word called Sheol. It means it's the, uh, it's the place of the dead or the place of the departed spirits. There's two divisions of this place. There's one that's a place of blessing. There's one that's a place of torment. And so this place of blessing or this paradise is in God's presence heavenly. And there's a place of torment, which is where there's separation from God. And so there's this place of torment. And so when we die, our bodies go to the grave, but we go somewhere spiritually, whether in God's presence or apart from God's presence. And so it's not heaven that's fully realized, you know, that we're waiting for to the return of Jesus. And it's not hell where Satan and all unbelievers are going to go when Jesus returns. And so, but there's this place that's intermediate, and it's not purgatory. Purgatory really messes up some of the theology, but there's something that happens when we die. Our bodies go into the grave, but we go somewhere. And so you've got a handout on your, uh, on your uh, chair there, and uh, there's a resource for you you can find online um, as well. It's called One Minute After You Die. I know so many people have questions about what, ha what happens when you die. And so there's a biblical perspective on what happens after you die, and so there's some resources for you on that. And then next week, when we start our series, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, we've got some study guides and some, uh, some, uh, some DVDs. We have some great resources available for you that we're going to be able to make available. So if we don't have your email address, please share that with us. We'll have some resources with you, a study guide, some video teaching, and we've got the little handout uh, for you. If you want to know more, uh, please let us know. But we go somewhere when we die. In Matthew 11, Jesus is uh, speaking to Capernaum. He was in Capernaum. He was doing these great miracles. 
And people should have believed in him, but they didn't, and they rejected him. And so Jesus says to them, will you be exalted to heaven? That's rhetorical. No. Are you going to be exalted to heaven? No, you're going to be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works that had been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. There was so much good things that Jesus was doing, but they still rejected him. And so he, he tells them, are you going to be exalted to heaven or are you going to be brought down to, to Hades? There's this intermediate period that, that we're all going to have to face the moment that we die. And so Jesus, we know, was in paradise. So what happened to Jesus from Friday to Sunday? He was in his Father's presence. He was in paradise with his heavenly Father. And the second question that gets raised as we think about Easter was, what happened to his body on Sunday? What exactly happened? You know, where was Jesus that Sunday? His body was gone, right? You know, don't be alarmed. You're seeking Jesus who was crucified, but he's, he's not here. What was Jesus doing on Sunday? He was out walking around. <laughs> he was out walking around talking to his disciples. For 40 days after Jesus came back to life, he continued to teach and be with his disciples. There's eyewitnesses' account. For 40 days, he continued on earth, walking around, teaching, and being with people. He continued with his disciples' teaching before he physically would go to heaven. Jesus was alive and walking around that Sunday. He was appearing and talking to disciples. I love this story in John. The disciple who Jesus loved, John, therefore, it's nice that John calls himself the disciple he loves, but he said to John, he said to Peter, look, it's the Lord. And how did Peter respond? When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his arm because he was stripped, and he threw himself into the sea. <laughs> this is the same Peter that had rejected Jesus, had denied knowing him. You know, it's the same Peter that had told Jesus, I'm going to follow you anywhere, and the second there was trouble, had split. And so when he hears that Jesus came back to life, he freaks out. He throws his clothes on and threw himself back into the sea. And so for 40 days, Jesus is walking around. He's encountering his disciples, and he's continuing to teach. And, and some of the lessons that we learn after Jesus came back to life are absolutely uh, astonishing and amazing. In fact, this is what our series is going to be about next Sunday that we, we kick off. It's called Sent. And we're going to be looking at from the time that Jesus was resurrected to the time that he ascended into heaven. What did he teach us and what relevance does that have for us today? And we have a Bible reading plan that uh, you can follow along. It looks at those 40 days. And so you can find that on our app or our website or just go to Bible plan. Uh, and we're going to look at, at, at what Jesus taught uh, after he was resurrected before he ascended into heaven. Because there's really some really important stuff in there, more than we can cover today. So I'm hoping you can join us uh, for our next series. But, but where was Jesus on Sunday? He came back to life. Jesus was alive he was walking around, he was with his disciples, and he continued to teach. And so during that period that before he was resurrected, he was with his heavenly father. When he came back to life, he rose from the grave and continued to teach and be with us. And so where was Jesus on Sunday? He was alive. So that begs the question, well, where is he now? You know, he was crucified. You know, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, he came back to life. And then for 40 days, he continued to walk and teach, you know, the disciples. He continued to be with people. You know, where is Jesus now? In Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, after he had finished teaching the disciples for the 40 days that he was with them, after he was teaching and saying these things, they were looking at him. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So in the middle of this conversation, they're talking. cloud takes him up out of their sight. And they're standing there gazing into heaven as he went. And two men stood beside them on white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way just as you saw him going. And so after Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days, it says that he was, he was raised and he went into heaven physically. His body was lifted up physically and was raised to heaven. The period of time that he was in the grave between Friday and that Sunday, his body was in the grave. He was in the presence of his father spiritually. And then he has been made alive and he was physically raised and taken up to the grave. And that is the hope that we have today. You know, when we die, our bodies go in the grave. But that is not the end of the story. 
We go into God's presence, we're separated from God's presence until he returns, and then we too are going to be physically raised from the grave, and we're going to spend eternity either in God's presence or separated from God. You know, in Romans 8, it says there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We have nothing to worry about if we're in Christ Jesus. In verse 34, it says, where is this condemnation? Jesus Christ is the one who died, but more than that, he was the one who was raised. He is now seated at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us right now. Jesus left, he went to heaven, and he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's with his Father in heaven. We see the Son seated at the throne, and we have the Holy Spirit today interceding for us so that we can come to know who Jesus is. If a person doesn't have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit is drawing them to him. And so a person crosses the line of faith. They become a Christ follower, and the Holy Spirit comes into that person, and then that Holy Spirit continually fills them and gives them power to live out the life that God has for them. We can't do anything apart from what Christ accomplished for us on the cross and the Holy Spirit living in us. He is interceding for us today, seated at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus right now is physically in heaven. That's where he sits. He was died, he resurrected, he continued to teach, he ascended into heaven. Everything hinges on that reality. I had a conversation. I have I've had this conversation. It's Easter. Easter, hey, it's okay to talk about Jesus on Easter. <laughs> your workplace, in your school, with your neighbors, you know, at the, when you're doing the Easter egg hunt, that's a great time to talk about Easter. Easter is when we should all look for an intentional opportunity <laughs> to use the name of Jesus, because that's what this is all about. And everything hinges on this resurrection. I had a conversation. It's, it, you know, every, we, all, we all have things going on in our life. I read through our prayer requests and conversations and our small groups. I'm so grateful for our community that can encourage one another in the faith and study as we become all that God has for us. But just listening to some of the things that God's doing in our lives, I know there's a lot happening in our lives. And some days it, it gets to be uh, overloaded. Sometimes it's like, oh, I just need to get through this day. God, will you please help me get through this day? And I've had so many conversations, especially the last month, you know, with things that are happening in people's lives. And it all comes, in every conversation, you know, if I don't have an answer, if I don't have a solution, my, my, it really should be my first solution is like, the, the grave was empty. Jesus was alive. And that's where we get our power. You know, the good news is that we have forgiveness of sins, but the, but the great news is, is that we have the power to live out the Christian faith, the Christian life, because of the resurrection. Everything hangs on it. If you take the resurrection away, then everything goes away. In fact, Paul says it's worse because we're lying to people. We're we're deceived. What does the resurrection mean for us? If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read a few verses for you out of 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse uh, 12. Paul writes this. If Christ as proclaimed as being raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It's worthless. And guess what? So is your faith. It's all worthless. In fact, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we are testifying about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's not true, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still stuck in your sins. We still have no purpose for living. We still don't have any hope in the future. Without that resurrection, we're stuck. And then those that have all fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are to be of all the people to be most pitied. If in Christ we have hope only in this life, then we are to be a people that are most pitied. Because the Christian life is not just about living out today. It's about the future hope that we have because of Christ's resurrection. If this life is all that we have, pity on us. But it's not. Jesus was resurrected from the grave, and that is the same hope that we have 
Jesus was the first fruits. He went before us and he's given us an example of what this is going to look like for us. What does Easter mean for you and me? Each of us must decide, what does this day mean? I love family. I love hanging. I have really enjoyed. We got to see all of our kids yesterday, except for one. We did Good Friday and Easter service up in Wisconsin, so we're going to go see her today. I love getting together with family. It's a time when we get to come together. We get to celebrate with one another. I love, it's, it's nice if you have off on Friday. <laughs> There's so many things about the holiday that are, are, are encouraging and good, and we want to celebrate those things. But you know what? Easter also means that we have to make some decisions about what does it mean to us? What does the reality of Christ's resurrection have to do with anything about what we're doing today? In verses 20 and 22, Paul writes this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are fallen asleep. Good news. He really rose from the dead. He really came back to life. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so as in Christ all shall be made alive. And so first fruits, Christ is our first fruits. What is that? It's a harvesting term. It's like the low-hanging fruit. If you've ever been through a grape field, you, you walk up and you see all the grapes hanging down or an apple tree, you pick the low ones. And so he's the first fruits. He's the first one that got picked. But the, yes, the rest is yet to come. And so Jesus was the first one got, got picked, and he gave us an example of what's to follow. And so what happened with him is going to happen to us. We're next. Jesus rose from the grave. He's physically up in heaven with his Father, and we're next. And that's the great news about Easter. We have that hope that through Christ, he was our first fruits, and we know where we're going to spend eternity. And, we, and God gives us meaning and purpose for this life. He's our first fruits. And all this, and, and, and because of Adam, because of what happened in the, in the garden, you know, sin entered into the world, we're all going to die. Because of Adam, what happened there, you know, death came to man. We're all going to die. That's the bad news. You know, the, the bad news is we're all going to die. And it's not because of behavior. You know, sin, I think many times people think it's a behavior. Well, I'm not as bad as that person, or I didn't do this. And so sin is not a behavior. It is, it is a condition that we've all been born into. It's my favorite analogy is the spit in the brownies. You know, a little bit of spit ruins the whole batch. And we all have sin in us because of Adam. For as by a man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Jesus, as fully man and fully God, offers us resurrection as a hope. It's going to happen. We're all going to be resurrected. Every one of them, every single body, those 118 billion people that have been on this planet, when Jesus comes back, are all going to pop up. Don't ask me where they're all going to fit. <laughs> That's a lot of people, isn't it? They're all going to come back to life. And then they're going to be sorted out. You know, because of, the, because of what happened in the garden, we're all dying. But because of Jesus, we also know that the resurrection's happening. As in Adam all die, so as in Christ all shall be made alive. And so that's what the Christian... Bible teaches us the resurrection is a reality and everything hangs on it. Everything hangs on it. <laughs> this morning, I was talking to somebody. It's like, that resurrection thing, that better really have happened. <laughs> the implications cannot be overstated. And the decision that we make about what to do with Jesus affects everything about this life and the next. There's no more important decision than what we do with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, but each in his own order. Christ is the first fruits at his coming, then those who belong to Christ are all going to be raised. And then the end comes when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. And so there's going to be a judgment day. The Bible teaches that Jesus is going to come back. So we saw in the book of Acts, just like you saw him go up, he's going to come back. And there's going to be a sorting when the end comes and he delivers the kingdom of God. We're going to, if you have a relationship with Christ, you're going to be physically raised, you're going to be joined with him in heaven, and you're going to spend eternity there. Apart from Christ, though, it's destruction. It's eternal separation from God. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, 
The dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. And so we are all going to be raised. If you're still alive, there's times when I wake up, and I got something going on today, I'm thinking, oh, if Jesus could come back right now, that would be okay with me. <laughs> the implications for the people that I'm talking with, the implications of that are weighty for those that don't have a relationship with Christ. Paul says it would be better for me to be in heaven, but God's still got work for me to do. But there's a sense of anticipation that, wow, Jesus could, Jesus could come back before this service is over today. Or we could walk out that door and he could come back. He might come back next week. He might come back month. No one knows the day or the hour, only the Father in heaven. But we live with the reality that Jesus could come back at any moment. And if he came back right now, while you're standing there, you're going to be changed. Instantly, in a twinkle of an eye, you're going to be changed. And then the dead are going to be raised. And you're going to have to make some room for people around you. <laughs> I mean, think about the scene when Christ returns, the implications of what that's going to look like. And, and, and then for those that have a relationship with Christ, we have the assurance of heaven. And for those that don't have a relationship with Christ, they have the assurance of separation. And so what does Easter mean for us? What does the resurrection mean for us? What is the importance and the significance of this day? You know, we have to make a choice. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the labor is not in vain. God has got something for us. And so while we're sitting around waiting for Christ to return, our labor is not in vain. For those of you that are making time to be in a small group, that, that that's labor is not in vain. For those of you that woke up this morning and thought, oh, I really can sleep in, this is not in vain. You know, the Christian life is one of sacrifice. We, we pick up our cross, we follow. Just because we have a relationship with Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to be good. You know, it doesn't, it's not a pop machine where you put in your quarter and it's like, oh, okay, everything's supposed to be good right now. It's not, about, it's not about having everything good, but it's about experiencing the fullness of power of Christ working in us as we accomplish everything that he has for us. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And so what does Easter mean? It means we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice about what we believe about Jesus. You know, is he God? Did he die on the cross of my sins? Was he really resurrected from the grave? Is he seated at the right hand of the Father? And when he comes back, what does that mean for me? Each one of us has to make a choice about what we believe about Jesus. And that's the significance of what's happening today. You know, we're excited about the fact that Jesus has risen from the grave. We're excited about the resurrection. But what it means for us is we now need to decide what that means for us personally. You know, when we looked at this on Good Friday, you know, we talked about that, um, you know, Jesus died for our sins. And so that's an important part of, of what it means to be a Christ follower. But we also know that we have to make a decision about what to believe about him. Jesus says, whoever is, who is not with me is against me. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so there's, there's in this decision-making, there, there's, there's no room for uncertainty. If you're not with him, you're against him. There's nothing in the gray area there. And so we have to make a choice about what we believe about Jesus. We have to make a choice about what we believe about the resurrection. And if we don't make a choice, then the decision's been made for you. And so that decision to place your faith in Christ, the decision to ask Christ to come into your life, it should be one that is clear in your mind. If you've got questions about what that looks like, it needs to be clear in your mind. And if you've made that decision, it needs to be clear in your mind and it's going to sustain you as you live out this life God's called you to, not living out of faith in vain. We've got to make a decision about what we believe about Jesus. And it's one or the other. You know, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, the saying is trustworthy and it is deserving of our full acceptance. It's trustworthy and deserving of our full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, of whom I am the foremost. And so that's what we looked at on Good Friday. Palm Sunday, we know that Jesus is a Savior. He's our Messiah. Good Friday, we know that, that, that he died on the cross for our sins and he bore the brunt of sin on himself on the cross. He came into the world to save sinners. But the good news is that if I understand I'm a sinner, and I understand that God's punishment results from my sin, 
If I understand that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin and I find mercy and forgiveness through Jesus, if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so the Resurrection Sunday is not just something to celebrate, it's something to, to believe in. It's something to understand. It's something that informs how we view the world. It's something that affects how we live our life. And if we, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so what does Easter mean for us today? It means that we know that Jesus died for our sins. We know that he was alive. We know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we know that we must make a decision about him. And so if you have never placed your faith in Christ, if you're not sure if you've ever placed your faith in Christ, today is a good day for you to say, you know what? I want that. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I want the assurance of heaven. People walk around just not knowing what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen when I die. You can know today that through your faith in Christ, you can be saved and you can have that same assurance that just as Jesus was raised from the grave and ascended in heaven, you have that too. And then the inverse is also true. Apart from Christ, we have a torment. And I don't know anybody that would, would want that. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have questions about a relationship with Christ, if you want to make a faith commitment, Easter is a great day to make a faith commitment. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And we can have that same hope ourselves. We can say, you know what? I believe Jesus is God. I want a relationship with him as best as I know how. I understand I'm a sinner. I understand that sin requires punishment. I know that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. I know I want to experience mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope and publicly confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Easter is a great day to get saved if you don't have a relationship with Christ. And if you do, today is a great day to celebrate. It's a great day to celebrate because we know that the things that we're going through, the trials and the tribulations and the problems and all the stuff that's happening in this world is temporary. I just need the power of God to strengthen me, to see me through it because I know where my home is. This world is not our home. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. That is the great news about Easter. And I am so glad that you are with us this morning that we can celebrate the reality of the resurrection and encourage one another as we live our faith out together. On that connection card on your seat, there's a place for you to indicate your interest. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we would love to celebrate that with you today. And so you can say, hey, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, or I've got questions still, or hey, I'm not quite sure what the next step is, or, or I make the faith commitment today, and I want to celebrate that with somebody. So if you want to pray that in your heart and make a faith commitment today, we'd love to celebrate that with you. You can put that on your connection card, and there's a place you to drop that off in the back on the way out this morning. When you've also got that um, QR code, you can scan that, or you can text us. If you have any questions about how we can help you to continue to grow in your faith and your knowledge and your love for God and experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises us, please let us know how we can help you. I'm so glad that you're with us today. I hope you have a blessed day and a happy Easter. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. God, thank you for the reality of the resurrection and for what that means for us today. God, this is a great day to celebrate. I just pray that you would continue to draw each of us uh, closer to yourself. Uh, God, thank you for those that have gathered together today that might still have questions. I pray that you would strengthen them and give them boldness and, and faith to cross that line of faith. We know that your spirit draws people to yourself. And so I pray that you would do that in a mighty way for those 8 billion people on the earth that need to hear about Jesus. God, thank you that we're a part of a ministry that's taking seriously the command to reach our community and our world for Christ. I pray that you'd continue to strengthen our ministry as well. Thank you for the day that we can celebrate today. Encourage us in our faith. We look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's rise together one more time in body or in spirit. Let's respond in worship to the word we have heard today. When fears are still 
joining us this morning on this blessed Resurrection Sunday morning. I pray that you will go in the power and the grace and the love of our resurrected Savior. Go to love and serve him this week. Have a blessed Easter Sunday. <laughs>